This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I am joined once again with Jim Sebastio. Jim, hey. Hi, Brian. How's it going? All right. How are you, bro? Good to see you. I'm looking forward to us diving into a bunch of topics this next this next year as we start a new year. And before we dump, jump into this topic, I, I want us to... Um, we want to just encourage you to contact us if there's any way we can serve you. PracticalShepherding.com. Uh, by the time this podcast is dropping today, our new website is up and running, and we'd love for you to go and check it out, PracticalShepherding.com. And there's a way to contact us. And if you have a question you'd like to submit for Jim and myself to discuss on the podcast, we'd love to uh, We'd love to do that. We plan to, to regularly release episodes of the podcast all throughout this year if we're able to, if the Lord allows that, and we're going to continue to be faithful to do that. Um, also, uh, if... If there's if this ministry has been a help to you at all, would you uh, go to the website and go to the donate page and help us financially? That would be a big help as we're continue to expand and and branch off into into what we're we're doing as a ministry. Jim, we I guess it was about a month ago we had an episode where we talked about weddings, and it was kind of a thirty thousand feet view of of weddings. We just kind of went all over the place, and we want to we want to focus that a bit more today and talk about premarital counseling, uh, that, that time period where once, uh, once a couple is engaged and that time period between the engagement and the wedding date, there's a lot that's going on, obviously planning a wedding, but at least we, we don't assume anything, but typically Christians who are in a church and getting married by a pastor, a lot of times there's some kind of requirement or just encouragement to do premarital counseling, which is a way for that couple to meet either with a pastor or somebody to prepare for marriage. And I found that that's been really helpful throughout the years, and that pastors aren't just doing weddings. They have to think about how to care for people's souls. It's a big deal, right, being the one responsible to to marry two people and all the implications. That's, that's what we want to talk about. So, Jim, let, let me just mention, ask this you to do this. Where does this fit biblically? I know we like to start out with kind of a biblical framework, but at weddings, we, under, we understand, but like premarital counseling within, how does that fit into a pastor's call, or, or even a, the responsibility of a Christian to go through it. Yeah, that's a good question, Brian. I, we were mentioning in prep, you know, that the, this aspect of our ministry of doing weddings and putting weddings together, uh, some of this is culturally conditioned. It, it's it's become at some point it became a part of kind of what pastors do, uh, and and we are we are part of a culture you know, where where that is done. Uh, premarital counseling uh, is not explicitly stated in the scriptures. Just says, you know, there's no details on how to do a wedding. What what are the various parts of a wedding? Uh, we have to try to apply biblical wisdom and and a multitude of scriptures and bring systematic theology to bear uh, on something like this. But I think when we recognize, obviously, a part of our calling is is the is caring for our sheep. It is. Uh, trying to produce and help to produce by the word, by prayer, by interaction with them, uh, healthy, godly people, and that will produce then, we, we believe and, and hope and trust, godly homes, for instance. And so Ephesians 5, uh, it's part of uh, the scriptures that we would open up, Colossians 3, First uh, Peter chapter 3, there are these descriptions of marriage and the roles of husbands and wives, and, and so as those who uh, ex- expound the scriptures and go to those passages and, and use them to help people as we would in any other aspect of life, this is something you're beginning, you're going to venture out on this, our job is to take and apply the word of God into people's lives, and we'll take those scriptures and try 
try to help you to understand what you're going into so that you can be prepared, you can understand what marriage is, understand how husbands differ from wives, men differ from women, and how they interact with one another in a healthy way. Isn't it safe to say, before we dig in some of the details of the premarital counseling side of things, from a, for pastors listening to this, from a shepherding co- component, First Peter 5 is probably the most helpful verse for us to connect to this work, right? Premarital counseling for the pastor is the work we're doing to continue to care for the souls mm-hmm. of our members right. as they're going to make a very big decision in yeah. mar- getting married, right? And the reality is a lot of the counseling that we do is, is, is with couples and uh, having struggles and troubles in their marriage. I mean, that's and if we can do something to help to uh, prevent that, to allay that, and, and to have somebody better prepared. I know that my premarital counseling has changed over the years as a result of counseling couples right. and, and recognizing that, Mine oh, too. I need to add that. I need to say something about that. I thought I'd covered that, but obviously... Yeah, I didn't right. do that well, you know, that sort of a thing. And, right. uh, and, and so you recognize that. So part of uh, the joy, some of the greatest joys or greatest distresses of our lives as believers are related to our homes. And mm-hmm. a happy marriage is an incalculable blessing. A yeah. miserable marriage is an incalculable horror. Curse, yeah. Uh, that, you, that you go through. And so to see healthy sheep walking a vibrant Christian life, we want to see healthy marriages produced. And some of that is going to come about, we, we believe can come about as somebody is is biblically prepared to enter into their roles. I, I think let's let's first talk logistics, maybe just kind of some shotgun ideas before we dig into maybe the aspect of premarital counseling. But do you require premarital counseling for anybody you marry? Yes. Okay. And sometimes it's going to be depending on when they get married and who they are, uh, if they're how old they are, if they've been married before, Yeah. that might come into play as far as how much is done, how often we meet, but but yes. And, and I, I require it as well. And I think that's one of the things, for pastor listening to this, a lot of times these are the questions I hear all the time, is not just, I mean, we all know that weddings is a part of being a pastor, but how much premarital counseling, uh, you know, is it required? Is it encouraged? Like how, how, so how many weeks do you meet with a couple who require that of them? I try to do four. Five or six. I know some do as many as eight, 10, 12. Uh, I think we have to recognize and realize that you you can't foresee every contingency and you can't touch on every single thing uh, that some of this people are going to have to learn as they go in. But I think there are big issues that we ought to ensure that the couple have at least talked about and talked through uh, so that they can be better prepared to face uh, what, what's going to happen when they get married? Because I think sometimes they'll have a very unrealistic view of the ease of marriage and the ease of entering into that partnership. And, so, and some people do have a, a, an easier time than others. Uh, but you don't really know, you know, you're not going to really know that person until you uh, begin you're to live married. with them, until yeah. you're married. And, and, and you're generally going to find out some surprises. So Yeah. And we can talk about Post marriage counseling, yeah, that may be a good <laughs> and requiring that right. too. But 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 that's another that's another conversation. So I also require a certain amount. I think I, I do. We've done six weeks. I tell them I ask them to commit six weeks with the freedom for me to add more if necessary. Because mm-hmm. obviously, as you're walking through, things come up, right? And it might require some more time to uh, to walk through that. But so uh, we want to talk about this for pastors listening because 
each of this is these are the decisions we're we're faced with when we feel the the responsibility the accountability of of what we're doing with with a marriage especially if we're talking about church members in our church mm-hmm. number one is you have the a pastor has a choice on who he marries who he doesn't there's nothing wrong with having as a matter of fact I would encourage you need to have certain standards uh, they have to agree to a certain amount of things or I'll say it, I'll say it personally the couple has to agree to certain things one of them being you have to meet with me for six weeks, those kinds of things, to be able to, for me to even do it, to agree to the wedding. So if you're a pastor, don't feel obligated to do a wedding, but know what you want to ask of people and be be realistic on top of that. So Jim, what what is the, can you kind of hit some bullet points of what are the areas you talked about wanting to discover things or let them talk through things maybe they need to talk about? What are some of those main things for you that you watch for? Okay. So I have begun recently, and this is over the last few years, um, to begin simply with their understanding of the gospel. And I really want to try to, what I'm trying to get at with that, Brian, is uh, is their uh, incipient or blatant legalism in their understanding of you perform this way and I will reward you. Right. Because I think that without a gospel center in a marriage, without an understanding that I'm a sinner marrying a sinner, and that grace needs to flavor our life together, mm-hmm. rather than I'll do what I'm supposed to do if you do what you do, you do what you do, and then I'll reward you, right. and, and that can go male to female, female to male, you know, however way that that goes. Right. And so I've tried to understand. Do you, do you have a basic, real understanding that you that you relate to God and God relates to you on the basis of His grace and of His mercy, and that you relate to others so that your family becomes a community of grace and not that you know that so that you don't have a um, an accurate gospel over here, but inside the home you operate. Uh, on the basis of law, which can it, also it, happen too. Yeah, and so it can happen. They can articulate it. They can articulate. So I use the phrase sometimes: Does this person get the gospel? Mm-hmm. Not just can they articulate the gospel. Yeah. When I see somebody, when I say when they get the gospel, I see that preeminently relationally. When mm-hmm. I see somebody dealing with another person with patience, humility, and grace, I say they get the gospel. Yeah. Right. Okay. And that needs to be seen. How have you handled conflict? How do you? You know, do you have a real a realistic understanding of each other? Have you seen faults? Have you seen failures? Have you sinned against each other? How have you worked out that? Yeah. And uh, and have you done that in a way that demonstrates that you get the gospel? So yeah. that's the first thing that okay. I deal with. So, do you have uh, a book you take them through? Uh, I have encouraged in the past that there's some uh, uh, there some of the books by Wayne Mack I think are very good. M A C K Wayne Mack. Strengthening Your Marriage, and he's got, it used to be called Blueprint for Biblical Marriage, uh, and then he has some other good good stuff on uh, husband and wives relating to each other. I, I appreciated, by and large, Tim Keller's book on on marriage, yeah. um, and so sometimes I'll have them do that. There's also, sometimes there are some messages I might encourage them to listen to that, that were done by another pastor on hmm. premarital issues. So I have four main areas I focus on. One is... Uh, I have them. T- I take them through a book. I take them through "When Sinners Say I Do" by Dave Harvey. Uh, I find that it's a smaller book. Mm-hmm. It's got a study guide with it, so they can actually go through it together in that way. Dave's it's it's good marriage material. 
it's Dave is funny, so it's humorous. It's an easy mm-hmm. read, mm-hmm. and when you when you have different kinds of people coming in to being married, uh, it's just a very accessible book, I think, right. to do. Second thing I'll do is I, there's a there's a survey I got years ago that covers the main like eight main areas and makes them fill it out. I fill have them fill it out on their own, and they can't talk about their answers. And each time they come back each week, we go through a section of it oh, from okay. everything from finances to yeah. In-laws to right, right, you know right. to children right. to all that kind of stuff. Um, the third thing I'll do is there's a list of scriptures each week they have to go through together. They read them together, and then they talk about how they apply to marriage. And then they come in and share with me what they have found. And then the fourth um, the fourth thing I do is each each week I meet with them, I make them um, share something with me and with that other person, uh, something about them. So. Either an encouraging word, you know, this is something I love about you. This mm. is something I I've been challenged by by your life. Mm-hmm. Teaching them to learn how to to speak words of life and encouragement into them. You don't want to ever assume that within a marriage. In a way, it kind of goes back to what you're talking about with understanding the gospel, the the implications of what it means for us to live our life together in a way that we're helpful to each other. We communicate love and affection to one another. So, four main areas for me. And things drift off in different area, different areas depending on what comes up. But I have found those four areas that you know where they're reading the word together, they're reading the book, but they're also doing survey together. Yeah, that might be helpful to maybe you could put some of that together for the on the as a link to the on the podcast, which is okay. what some of the scriptures yeah. are in the survey. That That's just a good idea. What, Brian, else, do you, I, what yes. else do you do? So I ask, uh, you know, having established some of the matters of the gospel, I ask a series of questions. So one of them is, so what is marriage? To even understand biblically what marriage is. Secondly, why do you want to get married? And then thirdly, why do you want to get married to him or to her? So that's mm-hmm. a, that's usually our first session. Yeah, is the gospel. What is marriage? Why do you want to get married? And why do you want to marry him or her? Mm-hmm. Uh, we then want to go through. Uh, I, I tried to do something of uh, we work through an exposition on what it means for husbands to love their wives as Christ has loved the church, and try Brian. One of the things I've exhorted guys to do is to think through the ways in which Christ loves you sacrificially and loves His people sacrificially. What are ways in which the Lord Jesus demonstrates? As you look through the scriptures, you read the scriptures with the thought of how and where is He demonstrating love? So He communicates with His bride. He listens to his bride. He protects his bride. He provides for his bride. Some of those kinds of things that you think through. So you're asking yourself, am I responding to her in a Christ-like way? Mm -hmm. What does it look like to be involved in her spiritual life? What does it look like to sanctify, to wash with the water of the word? Uh, for instance, what does it look like to dwell with your wife in an understanding way? And again, they can't really fully understand. It's like you know, just trying to talk to somebody about skydiving while you're still on the ground, you know, and maybe you you know, get a crate and you jump off a crate. But there's a whole huge difference between getting act- and in the plane and then making that leap. So you know, you, you get basic ideas, right? Uh, but you're not really gonna. You, you want to be able then to draw from that foundation uh, as they enter into it and, and enter into what is is going to be at least at some time the conflicts that are going to come that are going to test, do you really understand what self-sacrificial love is? And then also the issue of you know biblical submission, uh, the, the scriptures do teach that. I recognize that 
Some people are squeamish about that and they recognize how it's been abused, but it does mean something. And one thing I've had to recognize is that you can articulate the same words and both say that she agrees with that and he agrees with that, but they can have radically different ideas of what that looks like. So a guy might have the idea that what submission looks like is that he says, you know, we're going to jump. And she says, well, how high? Or she simply says, yes, yes, sir. You know, Mm. and her idea of submission is that, well, that's an interesting idea. What do you mean by that? I'd prefer not to do, you know, and it's a big, long discussion and that in her view is then that well once he gets angry enough I'll I'll go ahead and 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 submit to it and he regards that as not a partnership discussion but you know and so they need to understand that now it may be that the the truth of that is closer to the middle uh, of, of where they're at but they can both use the language oh we believe women should submit but she has a very ra- different idea of what that means than he does well i've been reminded too in the the need for a us to be as skilled as possible as pastors who are doing the counseling when you're talking about an issue like submission, mm-hmm. that we th- that we help them understand what this truly means from a biblical perspective, because uh, somehow many marriages get out of whack when it comes to these, these kinds of things. And I find the position of a man to lead uh, for um, oftentimes... Um, if a man can understand what it means to truly love and care and support and suffer, mm-hmm. sacrifice and love his wife as as Christ loved the church, that that man has a different idea of submission versus some kind of kind of cold and calculated and you know I'm I'm making all the decisions I'm not listening no, to my I'm wife I'm throwing my weight around right that, and, and I I think that I think submission has gets a bad rap because uh, so many times men abuse the situation within a marriage and. I think we that's a great opportunity, premarital counseling, to try to help both couples understand this is what this means and, and, yeah, and to try and, to help them and, with that. And even to say, you know, have you begun to see in his life that you, know, you you're that you're able, you know, say to the say to the the girl or to the woman, you know, have you had opportunities where you have been able to see him wisely lead and that you're able to trust him? Or do you find that you're constantly thinking to yourself, oh boy, good thing I'm here because I got to correct every single thing yeah. that comes out of his head. And that may, it may that you may recognize, okay, there's, this is a, a danger sign or a warning sign here that he's not, tr- she does not regard him as trustworthy and, and that that marriage is most likely headed for some trouble unless this is worked out. Well, and, I, and that's why I say I think it's important for pastors to grow in our skill to watch for those signs. Because like you said, they can give the right answers about all kinds of things. But we have to be the ones to watch where it's like, she, you know, she seemed to give the answer that we're all expecting. Right. Did she act? But did she need to see some say something else? And so I think that that's something that pastors have to continue to grow in in premarital counseling. Brian, do you ever ask a couple about? You mentioned you know affirming things, good things you've seen. Do you ever ask uh, one? And I'll, be, I'll give I guess the background to this. My the the man who did our premarital counseling thirty years ago, he had brought out. Uh, he kind of wanted us to evaluate ourselves in regard to strengths and weaknesses. And then to evaluate our potential spouse on those. And then we kind of compared notes. And that's a way to say, all right, how do I assess myself? And does she see me the way I see me? Yeah. Do I see her the way – does she see herself the way I see her? And then the recognition that in regard to some of these fundamental faults or flaws or weaknesses, 
the recognition that putting a a, a band on their finger is not going to fundamentally change who they are. He's not going to go if he is a fundamentally lazy person. He's probably not as soon as he says I do to turn into super diligent man. You know that's probably yeah. not going to happen. Right. If he's sloppy, if he has uh, poor. Um, uh, eating habits, he's going to have them on the honeymoon, and 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 if she thinks, you know, this whole joke that you have sometimes in seeing a movie or something where the girl sees this guy and she thinks I'm going to change him, mm-hmm. and, and always gets a guffaw out of me mm-hmm. uh, because you're thinking, oh, poor sweet thing, you know, what yeah. you think you're going to do, um, and and you ask yourself, can I live with this, mm-hmm. you know? And again, that's a very different thing when you're not living with it to think, oh, I can live with that. Oh, I yeah. could live next to the train yard with the train going by every four hours. I could live with that. Hmm. Eh, maybe you couldn't, you know, and you, and you need to know and, and try to, but you need to have an accurate understanding uh, as best you can that yeah. this is a flawed person that I'm entering into a relationship with and, and they have areas to grow and just like I do, they're going to need me to be patient with them, even if that never, ever really fundamentally changes hmm. in them. Well, I think that's one of the things that's helpful about a pastor marrying people who are already church members in their church. He already knows them, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully he knows them, right. And knows some of these things. I, I just got asked to do a wedding uh, that I'll be doing in uh, in May, Lord willing, and the, the lady getting married... Uh, is probably the closest thing I have to an adopted daughter who's mm-hmm. in our church. And she's out of town now, but uh, lives in another city. But uh, I'm going to do their wedding, and uh, but I know her really well. And so I feel like I'm able to go in. I don't know him very well, mm-hmm. the man she's marrying, but I've met him. But even in the in the premarital counseling things and just knowing her, I feel like I've, I've, I've got, I'm a little bit ahead of the curb in trying to figure out how to best help them to try to prepare for marriage in a way I wouldn't if I didn't know any, either one of the people that I'm trying to, that I'm about to marry. Brian, what are the main minefields? I think uh, Andrew Peterson has a song called Dancing in the Minefields, I think is what it's called, about, mm-hmm. uh, about marriage. Yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you see as the great potential minefields that you say, hey, we got to talk about, and you mentioned a couple of them, but yeah. what are the... Yeah, I think uh, well, that's one of the reasons why the, the survey that I got exposed to years and years ago that I that I use uh, that um, has these areas, all of them can potentially be problematic. So that's why it's helpful about like, so how you, you know, even personality issues, like who's the extrovert, who's the introvert, who's mm-hmm. the saver, who's the spender. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I think that's helpful information for people to, to understand about the person they're, you know, they're marrying. Uh how to manage finances, I mean, yeah. I think is a big conversation that... Yeah, credit cards, no credit cards. Yeah, like... like uh, the, budget, no budget. That's right. How strictly... Who, do you want children? How many children do you want, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, so th- these these are the areas that I think... Um, I think people kind of expect they're just going to work themselves out a lot of times. And so I find it particularly helpful. Every couple's different, right? But the these are the areas that, I, that need to be at least brought up and discussed because a lot of times they may say they've talked about it. But obviously, when you start to dig into these things, uh, that they have different ideas and different, you know, opinions on who's who's gonna if jobs change, if both people work out, you know, who's mm-hmm. whose job determines where we live, right? You know, those are questions a lot of times haven't right, had yeah, yet. I, yeah, so if I, yeah, I, so, I, I have some fairly strong opinions on that, which I went over with a couple just the other night about. Uh, but that's the thing is, we'll have strong opinions on it. Yeah. The question is, how do you help them sort through, right? 
what they need to do without us imposing all of our positions on each because yeah. I don't because I, yeah. I think they're they're open for interpretation. They can be, so. yeah. I think obviously there are certain things you want to look at and say. I think scripturally speaking, this is what's this is generally what's laid out, and and uh, and then how do you how do you flesh that out? What does that look like? And right. uh, as you prepare, so finances, the issues of of sex. Mm-hmm. Uh, Realize that can be a very uncomfortable conversation. Speaking to have. of skydiving, with, with Bob yeah. still being on the ground, yeah, but there's only so much you can talk have, about. You're going to have a couple that's either been married before, or that's been sexually active before, that's right, yeah. uh, perhaps even with each other in their past, and mm-hmm. they've repented of that. And you know, so you and you don't have to, you don't necessarily have to talk about the mechanics uh, no. of that the way you might with um, you know the dad talk with a younger with a younger guy. And sometimes you you get a younger guy who's never had a dad. The dad's never had that talk with him, right. and and he really is going. You know, maybe he's not been. In, you know the the whole issue of how pornography has affected a guy's expectations of what sex is going to be like, or the woman, or the woman, and you know the, that that's a whole new you know again to use the term minefield again that yep. you might have to try to to work through and to recognize that you know the whole the whole question that some are going to is is. Uh, is marriage? Does anything and everything go in marriage? I think Paul. I think Paul addresses that in the to the Thessalonians when he talks about uh, how we use our the the abuse of the vessel. He talks about and uh, and treating a vessel with honor, mm-hmm. and and um, you know pornographic sex is not about a man treating a woman with honor. It's mm-hmm. about I mean just really really abusing that woman as a piece of meat almost. And yeah. if a guy has an idea, that's what. That's what merit. That's what marital sex looks like, and he's going to be. He's going to either be shocked. Or she's going to be shocked, and she may have come from some Christian background where she's pure as the driven snow. And this guy has this rough background, and you know that that's a real. You know, how do you try to wisely step into that? Should we? I think we should to some degree step into that. Uh, but how do we prepare them? Try to help to prepare them so that that man has um, a sense that this, that even in sexuality, that there are aspects of honor um, that the Bible addresses yeah. as he enters into that with her. And I would almost argue too, especially if I'm the pastor of that man, I'm having I'm having one on one conversations with that man, right? Yeah, uh, as his pastor, as we're going through this yeah. stuff. So right, that's yeah. the thing. Is that sometimes you're going to pull him aside right. afterward but, and, and that's ask why these, about some of those things. And, that's right. That's why these areas are helpful to just think about because when you're talking about how many, you know, are you going to have children? How many children do you want to, want to have? You got to have birth you've control, have birth control convictions conversations about birth in control, that convictions if, about that. Which right, whether you have whether you do it or don't. do That's it. right. So in laws, real quickly, Brian. In laws, uh, relationship with in laws. Sure. Holidays, where you're going to be, it's, how you're going to set that can be an emotional. It's all part another of another yeah. minefield. You know. So I'm saying um, it's all there's. It depends on the couple, but all these different areas are areas we do need to we need to do need to address at some point, and then discernment on how much. We talk about it even as a couple and how much we talk about it separately. So before we wrap up, one last question. Do you require or encourage post-marital, like maybe a, a two-month connecting with them after the smoke's cleared and all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, generally that's that's going to – I don't know if I want to use the term require. If they're in my church, we're going to have that. Sure. And, and you know, there's usually going to be sometime relatively soon – 
Um, can I mention? I, I should mention one other thing real quick before. Yeah, we go ahead. Up, and that yep. is the last thing we do is uh, before they get married is my wife and I take them out to dinner. Oh, okay, good. And my wife interacts with with us uh, on some of those things, and she gives her that's good her little spiel. Okay. Well, sadly, my wife's big spiel is don't don't go in with too great an expectation. <laughs> like, oh, thanks a lot. You know, and you're so, feeling awful good yeah, after that. It's always great. So that's good. Um, All right. Well, as we as we wrap up. Uh, I mean, let me just say that I don't require postmarital counseling, but obviously that's why it's ideal to be the pastor of these two people, right. and they're coming into your church. That's going to be a natural aspect of Rick shepherding their soul and coming back around to First Peter five. So, Jim, will you pray for pastors listening to this that they just have wisdom? We there's landmines all over the place. We just we just touched on. So, would you pray that they would have wisdom as they try to walk through these th- these things? Sure. Father in heaven, thank you for the institution of the home and the, the blessings of marriage. And we know the enemy rages against uh, marriage in, in a multitude of ways. And uh, it is sad and tragic that many uh, marriages and, and churches are not what they ought to be. And Father, we do pray that you would help us um, to help steer young couples or older couples through the various minefields that await them, the ways in which the enemy would seek to destroy the tenderness and beauty of, of, of the marriage that signifies the union of Christ and his people. Father, aid us unto that end, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.